Well, one of the great things about being on a trucking show is every once in a while you get to talk about trucks. I mean, actual trucks. And uh, we're going to have that conversation this morning with uh, a friend of the show. Uh, many of you guys know him very well. Tim Ashoff, of course, is the president and COO of Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. Good morning to you, by the way. Good morning. Great to be here again. It is, it is really uh, wonderful to have you. You know, we were having a conversation, Dave and I, a couple of days ago about the idea of, you know, keeping up with the trends, the latest things that are going on. I mean, you know, these names like, you know, Elon Musk and many people who are kind of trying to innovate and change the world in one way or another are always kind of popping up in the news. And it must kind of constantly hover uh, behind the uh, behind the shoulders and the backs of the guys and gals who run trucking companies. The idea that there's all this new technology and it's no longer a matter of, hey, in two years, we're going to have a no, hey, in five minutes, this new thing comes out. And so it must it must be really interesting to kind of try to maintain a state-of-the-art fleet in an environment where the changes are so fast and furious. If you blink, you miss them. It is interesting, and I think it's uh, difficult at the same time because the changes are happening so quickly to determine, you know, which changes are good for you and your fleet and your drivers is, is often difficult, and often changes come with a cost. And so, you know, what is the right uh, investment to make in those changes? And then, you know, we certainly like to be um, leading edge as a company, but not necessarily bleeding edge because sometimes you can make the wrong change or adapt the technology that's not quite ready. Uh, so uh, that just keeping up with technology. Uh, and not getting too be far behind technology is always a difficult balance. You know, and Tim, the other thing I've been I've been dying to ask you, I've been thinking about this because uh, anybody who listens to the show with me talking knows that infrastructure is really my bag. I, I just get a kick out of the fact that we often talk about these new technologies in regards to what people are driving over the road, not realizing that some of them, while they are terrific, don't always respond to the conditions of the road and some of the upgrades that the road proper needs. Are you ever in a position where there's something that's come out? And the answer could just simply be no here. But something comes out that's kind of new and fancy pants, but you say to yourself, I'd love to have that. The problem is we don't have the parking. We don't have the uh, the roads. The bridges don't exist to really kind of support that kind of technology at this moment. So while it would be nice and shiny in the lot, it really shouldn't be rolling yet. You know, that's exactly right. That's kind of that, um, you know, if you're on that bleeding edge, the technology looks great, but the practical adaptation of it isn't there yet because we we need everything in that, uh, I'll call it the whole transportation system to work, whether it's the infrastructure, as you mentioned, the, the roadways. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, there's some technology out there that would be really neat if every other vehicle always also had it, like the vehicle-to-vehicle the vehicle technology. So, yes, you do have to be aware of what environment needs to exist in order for this technology to be truly successful. So yeah, that's that's part of that overall evaluation. You know, and, and the other thing to kind of kind of wrap up this little area here, the other thing is often you get that thing that you need or that you that you thought you needed and realized that in order to actually have it make it work, you have to buy four or five other pieces of technology and then you really are part of that bleeding edge you talk about where if you do that upgrade, you set off a cascade motion where you end up having to upgrade everything and you didn't want to do that. And that becomes a real big kind of problem. And you have to answer to people who have invested in your company and say, why are we in the red when we're busy as heck? You know, and that's just one of the issues, too. Yeah, not only the 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 people that uh, are looking at the investments you're making from from that financial company standpoint, but then also the drivers. I mean, they're, they'll be looking at that going, uh, hey, I thought this technology was supposed to help us, and it's really not doing much for us, or it may be having an unintended consequence that uh, you hadn't uh, thought about. So, yeah, it's it's a tough balance.
You know, and that actually, you actually just opened the door for another question here. So, you know, you have a, a lot of people work for you. A lot of, a lot of men and women actually get behind the wheel of your trucks on a regular basis. How much of an input um, do they have? And I don't mean like, you know, they come to you and they say, we want this, but I mean, how much in regards to their experiences on the road, in regards to their kind of concerns, their kind of positives, do you guys actually take into consideration when you're putting together, uh, investing in a new fleet? Well, their, their input is very important, and it does come in, in a couple different ways. One of them is, is what you just mentioned, where people do come to us. We do want our drivers to come to us and say, hey, here's what we're liking in our air equipment. Here's here's some of the things we think we need to look to improving or, or change the spec or otherwise. Um, but that's, so that's one way. And then the other way is we have a practice of whenever we're looking at um, new specifications or even bigger changes, a new model of truck, a new um, brand line of truck, is our, our method is to obtain a few of those trucks and do a test fleet and then really have drivers that we set the expectation that, you know, we really want your feedback on the on these trucks. We're going to put you out on the road with them for a period of time. Um, we really want you to think beyond of, you know, just, hey, how how does it feel to you? Uh, what's the comfort? What's the ride? But what are some of the other things that um, maybe become second nature to you as a driver? But we really want you to evaluate that. So we really do like to, to take these, techno- whether it's a technology, whether it's a whole new model of truck, new manufacturer of truck, um, and really get it out and put it on the road and test it with, with drivers in real conditions and get their feedback. So that, that brings up a question in regards to methodology, in regards to how one goes about doing. They seem to be like two two kind of basic ways, and then I'm sure a number of variations. Under that. The first of which is really kind of data-driven, where you're actually asking them to kind of do paperwork at the end of runs and before runs and to kind of make sure that on the run they're actually taking copious notes. The other one, of course, is the, the other version, which, of course, is, you know, sitting around in a circle, getting people together and kind of talking it through and to see where the points of commonality are. Do you guys have a method for this, or is it just a matter of, and it, this will work too, where you have seven eight, 10, 15 drivers who actually you've come to trust as just beyond just a regular employee where you kind of just have moments where you meet with them individually. How do you go about doing that? Because it's easy to see how that can uh, become quite complex and important work. Yeah, it's it's a combination of, of those two things you mentioned, which, where it's the, the data-driven piece uh, from the driver as well as the conversation piece, because some things aren't just a mere matter of data. It's a matter of, I'll call it feel or personal preference, and then you got to say, okay, is that personal preference for this individual driver, or is that spread across a larger group? So then, yes, we do have to talk to the a group of drivers that are you know, in those trucks. But then there's a third element of that that we throw in there and then look from that element to say, hey, can the driver provide input on that and that is the data that we are actually getting from the truck Um, you know as you know there's so many data points coming from the truck now from you know engine to transmission to brakes to you name it that's now flowing to us to you know fuel efficiency um, that we're getting that data and we look at it and and we may be interpreting in an operational way that um, um, we want to validate then with the driver. And so um, it's really those three different data points. It's data from the driver, it's data from the truck itself, and then it's that personal uh, input from the driver that we have to put all together. You know, there's, there's that kind of amazing thing when you when you deal with a focus group, and that's you know, that's it, just another way of saying we've got a focus group of drivers here. There's a moment where somebody says something in the room, and you realize you stop looking at them, and you realize every other driver in the circle or in the office begins to nod their head and kind of, an agreement and those kind of aha moments you say, okay, that either if it's positive, that's a really terrific thing, or maybe that is the vote that kind of puts an end to possibly using this sort of technology. So 
I guess that kind of leads us into the land of how do you determine what is the moment? And the trucks are working fine. You got great, got great mechanics, great upkeep, all the, everything's working fine. The trucks do exactly what they're supposed to do. But you begin to get a sense that if we don't make a move, we're going to fall a little bit further behind our competitors uh, or just um, not be able to help our customers as much as we would like. When do you determine it's time to begin to look at a new fleet for the road? Well, I, what we've done is over our, our years of experience is try to figure out what is that, you know, kind of sweet spot that you're going after and how long you keep a truck. And, of course, you know, there are a number of things that overall that, that are pretty obvious as to what, why people would do that. You know, certainly you need um, reliability, you know, the uptime. You need the truck to be able to be you know, reliable for your driver out there in order that they may get the miles they need. Um, and then safety is a key component of that, you know, certainly right off the line, all the safety systems, all the safety features. Uh, are going to be the latest uh, and the greatest, and then you know they're going to be working uh, perfectly. And then, then there's also then the new features that we just talked about. That if you if you keep the truck too long, uh, you're too far away from the technologies out there. That that's an advancement. And then and then finally, there's the overall operating cost that we have to look at then as a carrier. What's what's the cost of maintaining this truck uh, at the peak performance? And what we've found is that. We operate our trucks in about a four-year, 450,000-mile cycle, 450 to 500,000-mile cycle, and that seems to do well for us. The, the trucks for us are still under warranty at that time, so uh, if we need service, we're able to go to into any any of the dealer network that's out there or into our own network and have that covered by warranty. Um, it's also at a point where you know a truck isn't it doesn't have uh, you know too much wear and tear on it at 450 500,000 miles as you know trucks are, are out on the road for you know some millions of miles so it's still early enough um, where there's that reliability that we can count on but then the truck that we're replacing with um, we're not too far behind in technology and taking a big jump when we go to that next model okay so I'm, I'm gonna go back just for a second because it's uh, it's about investment here so you, you, you buy a couple of the things that you need, whether it is new equipment for the truck or the truck itself, and you begin to kind of check it out. So it's a double kind of investment because you're not just buying one version of that truck, even when you're doing your testing, right? I mean, you're making a very big upfront investment. Um, you know, it, it's even that is a risk because even if that doesn't work out, you're like, well, this isn't going to be the thing that we needed or wanted. And we've already made this kind of big upfront investment. Um, how much of... Um, I have to ask this, how much of a deep gulp do you take when you have to kind of put that new fleet out there? I mean, is it is it a moment where you just kind of say, am I doing the right thing here? Or has it been kind of so kind of data tested, so kind of thought through that you feel comfortable with it when it hits the road? You know, it's it's probably a combination of both because we do want to do that data <laughs> testing, as I mentioned, because you, you do want to make a good decision, but you can't test forever and you can't test for everything. And so then you do have to kind of make that leap of faith as you're talking about saying, yep, this is the right decision. Uh, let's go make it. Uh, one of the way we as, as have a benefit as a larger fleet and kind of hedging that bet is that we replace about one fourth of our fleet every year. So we're, we're never taking the bet on the whole fleet. And so uh, we'll see see these our, our fleet play out kind of in you know one fourth at a time so how did this one fourth of trucks how are they operating how are they doing in year two year three and ultimately year four four and then you know what do we learn from that each year as we buy that you know one fourth of the new trucks that following year so we hedge our bet a little bit in that way and certainly try to learn 
from you know using that quarter of our fleet that whole that we bought you know for that year uh, as a continuing test and see what modification modifications we have to make for that next year. You know, I just realized you run the model like you have a college football program. You literally are running things in a four-year cycle and then bringing in a new freshman class and slowly working it up way up through the ranks to get a new system in place. Not, not a bad idea. I got a big question for you. We're going to take a quick break here when I get down to the nitty-gritty about what you're doing this year in particular. Tim Ashoff joins us, president and COO of Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. This is the Dave Nemo Show. Sydney will play some music, and then we'll be right back. Good choice of music for our guest today, Tim Ashoff, who is helping us roll closer and closer into the weekend. President and COO of Cree Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. As always, welcome back to the show. Good to be here again. So here's the deal. How many um, how many new trucks are you purchasing this year? We'll, we'll purchase about 1,500 new trucks. Um, you know, again, we, we buy about one-fourth of our fleet, and we're growing a little bit as well, so we have to buy some new trucks for growth. And when you do that, that means, you know, our average age of our truck is a little under two years. So we'd like to keep a, a good young fleet out there on the road. Uh, and let me ask you a question. This, this kind of goes to the business of it. Uh, in regards to putting together a new fleet, part of that is for recruiting as well. It makes it easier uh, as a company to do recruiting when you're actually able to offer state-of-the-art, correct? And how much of your recruiting involves those new trucks? You know, it's, it's, it is very important, and one of the things that I think we have seen from the driving force out there is there's a heavier demand for drivers wanting the auto shift transmissions, not necessarily automatic transmission, but that auto shift transmission. And, you know, we have to stay in tune to that because as we have drivers that we're recruiting saying, hey, you know, what kind of truck do you have? What what are the features? And what are, what is the, the demand out there from the driving force? So those does come into play as we are specking our trucks and you know, often that's the same as what of our existing drivers want. So yeah, it is is kind of a combination of the two, and and we have to stay in tune to those drivers' wants and needs out there. You know, the other thing it always occurs to me that if you run a company like this, at some level you're a tech nerd, which by the way is a badge of honor these days in popular culture. I'm just curious if there are things out there that you are really looking forward that you know the technology is almost there or the technology is there, but it's just not. It doesn't translate to the rest of the road. Like we said, we talked about earlier, the idea that, you know, you have to buy so many other pieces of equipment to kind of match up with it or the roads aren't ready for it. Is there anything that you are really excited about that's coming up where you say to yourself, man, I can't wait for them to get that right so we can actually get that out there on the road? Well, I think, uh, you know, safety is always so important out there uh, for our drivers themselves, for their own safety, but for those with whom they share the road. So some of the safety technologies that are coming from, you know, the advancements in, in, in the auto uh, autonomous truck, which I think, you know, we're, we're, we're a long, long ways off from that, but seeing some of that safety some of those features flow into our existing trucks in a way that is really, I'll say, driver compatible. And I think that's the most exciting thing I've seen here in the last year. It's not it's not just taking a, a safety feature and saying, okay, this feature is going to take over for the driver. It's how does this feature assist the driver? And, uh, you know, I know a lot of the four-wheelers have some of this technology already. It's kind of the, the lane-keeping technology, whether it's, hey, if you're kind of 
hitting the edge of a lane, you know, your steering wheel may shake or it may even kind of steer you back a little bit. Those features coming into the trucks themselves where it's it's an assist to the driver. It's not taking over for the driver, but it's saying, hey, uh, let me help you, you know, alert you to uh, where you're at in your lane. And those types of features, um, certainly we've had, you know, forward um, collision avoidance warning systems tracking uh, other vehicles in front of you, around you to assist our drivers with that for a long time. But that next step where uh, we're seeing some of those features that you know really are the, um, I'll call it the side effect of, of some manufacturers going after an autonomous truck coming into the trucks today, but in a way that really is truly a driver assist, um, not really a driver takeover, um, where I think it's a benefit then um, for safety on the road, but also for a driver to say, hey, I can work with the system, um, not the system work against me. You know, and that's exactly when people begin to feel like they're trapped in a machine that it's making its own decisions and kind of dictating the policy is a very, very different feeling of I'm being freed up to do things that actually are as important that I would normally have to kind of wait for because I'm dealing with all this other stuff that's kind of coming up down the road. Um, the, the technology in many ways is, um, you know, key in regards to that recruiting to kind of talk about. You, you mentioned some stuff earlier, but what are also in regards to talking with your employees, things that they're looking forward to, things that they're saying we need this or that? And has there been an example of an employee coming to you with an idea in regards to the trucks that was theirs and you kind of said well we'll look into it and then it turned out to be like oh why didn't we think of this uh, your officer material well done yeah, you know, it is a, it's a combination of that driver feedback together with what we're hearing from the uh, OEMs and features that are out there or that could be out there. Um, and certainly, so it's things that we get input from, you know, basic driver, um, I'll call it comfort features to say, hey, um, hey, the, the, I was in this truck and, and it had this kind of seat and this quality of seat and it, and it seemed to, to be really great. Is that something we should look at and putting in our, in our, in our fleet? So it's something as, I'll call it as basic as a seat to, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about trucks, but also to trailers. Hey, you know, there's uh, auto inflate systems now for tires on, on trailers. Is that, to, you know, that would be really beneficial to us as a driver because of X, Y, and Z. You know, we heard that feedback a lot. And so now on, on all of our, our dry vans and our tap controlled trailers, we've, you know, we've put the auto inflate systems and, and they're like, well, it'd be nice if it could alert us if there's an issue. So, you know, working with the OEM to say, hey, now there's a light even on the front of the dry van trailers, like, you know, typically reefer drivers were used to that, hey, my unit's uh, green, it's working, or, you know, red or, or orange or something wrong. Uh, now have that for the, the braking and the auto inflate systems on the trailers, too, to help drivers be more aware of what's going on with all of their equipment, not just their truck. So the magic number you unleashed upon me wasn't 15, it was 1,500. I want to make sure I got that right. So 1,500 new trucks, right? That's correct. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about as we kind of, we're, all, we're almost out of time, by the way, if you can believe that. Talk to me a little bit about how how that transition occurs. I mean, you know what? I mean, in regards to does one day everybody show up and there are fifteen hundred new trucks everywhere for the world to see, or is it an incremental process over a couple of months and years? I mean, what is what are the logistics involved with swapping out one fourth of a fleet? 
Yeah, it's it's a lot more complicated than you might uh, expect. So we do work with the manufacturers that have those trucks uh, delivered over time. Uh, we deal directly with the manufacturers, so have them delivered uh, directly to our facilities across the country. So we have them spread out uh, amongst our, our various fleets. And we try to bring in then about 150 a month just to kind of keep that smooth throughout the year. You know, our, our, our shop technicians do a great job of getting those trucks in, get them ready for a driver. But then we also have to take the used truck off the road, um, take the mobile com equipment out of it, and you know, drivers have to transfer uh, their, their their belongings into that new truck and others. So uh, as drivers know out there, it's not easy just to move from one truck to another. It's uh, It can be an all-day job. So having that spread out, having it smooth for them uh, is very important to us. So we do, yes, stagger that throughout the year um, and really try to work in the first part of the year. So if those, you know, January through September, October are the big months, you know, the November, December, drivers want to be home for holidays. It's a lot of other things. So we try to avoid that sort of turmoil at the end of the year. You know, and that and that was kind of the, the, the second part of your answer really was was kind of what I was was listening for. The idea, like I said, you know, I mean, you can work with the manufacturers, but it really is ultimately any, you know, any business is about people. It's about human beings. And it's, it's the same as asking somebody to move. And even when they're moving to a better home, uh, well, ask anybody how they feel about moving and you'll get the truth of the matter, uh, usually with a look and then a, an expletive followed by a, a dark sound from the back of their throat. So and I, I'm wondering, I mean. So when you guys do this, do you kind of have a meeting where you say, this is what's going to happen. Here it comes, guys. Brace yourself. Here's the schedule. and Here's how we're going to do it. Because it really does sound in many ways like a military operation or the first year of a, of a freshman class coming in. Yeah, no, we do. We try to stay in touch with the driver. Obviously, the, the driver, if the, you know, a lot of our drivers are with us for a long, long time, so they get into that new truck, and we tell them at the beginning, hey, this truck is set to be out there for, you know, 450,000 miles and then come off the road. So when you hit that 450,000 mile mark, um, you know, be prepared. We'll, we'll move you into a new truck. But then we do have our, our fleet management folks, you know, working with that driver. We see how many miles we have on, you know, every truck out there and start talking to them about, hey, okay, we're going to, this is when our truck orders are coming in. This is about when we look like you'll be ready to take yours off the road. Um, you know, sometimes it's um, dr driver, even though it's at 450, um, for whatever reason, maybe it's his home time schedule other maybe three or four weeks after that for, and so before they're in so we try to balance that because you're right um, uh, moving is, is not fun and uh, we want to make that a good experience overall uh, and then even some of the things we've done to, to try to help that uh, we have specially designed platforms we've had made for ourselves that where drivers actually pull both trucks to each side of this platform so when they're transferring their items they don't have to you know go up and down the steps and, and, and move things down to the ground and then back up into the truck it just transfers straight across on the transfer platform we've had designed for our drivers. So um, we try to make it as, as smooth as possible for them. Uh, Tim Ashoff, of course, if you guys don't know, and you probably do, is, is, uh, is the COO and the president of both Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. He has joined us for this last half hour to talk about how one goes about putting together a new fleet when you actually have to make a transfer from an old fleet. Tim, thank you so much for your time this morning. It is always a pleasure talking to you. Great to be on. Have a good March.